What's up, everybody? We are back for episode number 23. Today, we're going to be joined by Alex Stewart of the Backside of Water podcast to discuss the history of Disney Toon Studios, that third other animation studio owned by Disney that has made many of the animated sequels that we love and hate. Mostly hate. But sometimes love. Some of them are good. Let's be honest. There's a Goofy movie. And there's a... Well... I'm sure I'm sure we'll we'll come up with some others, but there's a goofy movie. Anyway, we're gonna get into that in just a second. We'll see you on the other side. All right, everybody, and joining us today for our special Disney tune um, look back at the history and their entire movie catalog, I've got from the Backside of Water podcast. Okay, we've both got, Wes and I have both got, (laughs) from the Backside of Water podcast, Alex Stewart. Hi. Hi. Sorry, I just got a weird dinging going on on my computer. Good to be here. Very good to be here. So, Alex, uh, your podcast is on kind of the history of Disney rides. I stumbled across it a few months ago and have been really enjoying the look that you give, like really a deep dive into some of the the backstories of Disneyland and Disney World. Um, so, yeah, talk a little bit about what people can expect from if they check out your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So um, with the backside of water, we started, I am a former Jungle Cruise skipper at Disneyland. And years, years after I I quit working at the park, the love and obsession didn't end. So I was like, I need, I need an outlet. And so we decided to start podcasting. Uh, It started out with my buddy Harrison and myself. And we wanted to do something that nobody's really done in the podcast world when it comes to Disney Disney related IP. And we thought it would be great to systematically move through starting with Disneyland um, attraction by attraction, focusing in on the story behind the building uh, of that attraction through the technology, through the Imagineering, through Walt Disney's influence, so on and so forth. And this started about five years ago. We're going on our fifth anniversary and we've just hit the middle of Toontown. So needless to say, it is a hefty, hefty endeavor, but, uh, we, we try to take our own weird spin on it. Um, and we have a lot of fun on, uh, on the way. Yeah, uh, I can say from experience listening to this podcast, it's a really uh, neat look back into the parks. Uh, it's a scripted podcast, largely, correct? Yes, yes. I wish that we were that eloquent just off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly kind of like a, a radio show, which is really neat um, and unique. They're t- the way you guys tell the story behind the rides, it's a, definitely a fun a fun style. Uh, well, thank podcast. you. Yeah, we, we try to take the we try to take a lot of nods from radio theater, radio drama side of things, uh, twisted into a story. I mean, Walt Disney was an amazing storyteller. And so we figured that it would be doing it a disservice if we were just to go on there and spout out facts. And so we've decided to take a little bit different tack in that way that we try to go full production on as much as we possibly can and focus on the immersive nature of being in Disneyland. Because our goal is if if you're ever walking through the park alone, you can throw in some earbuds and while you're waiting in line, 
listen to our episode that's based on that ride that you're getting ready to get onto in order to get some more insight into it. So that's, that's, that's the, the vision behind everything. That's pretty awesome. That's very nice. That's very nice. Well, well, we're thank glad you. to have, have you. Fun. Yeah, it's glad to, I'm really glad to be here, especially talking about something that's near <laughs> and dear to my heart, which is Disney intellectual property. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wes, think, what are I we think, doing today? I think Perry is Disney intellectual property. Oh, yeah, that's kind <laughs> of my, that's my middle name, Perry Disney intellectual property. <laughs> You've got a oh, trademark man. at the end of your name. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do yeah. I have to pay you to say that name now? Oh, great. <laughs> Officially, yeah, yes. It's, 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 we made, made it official right now. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I won't ever show it in an elementary classroom party. <laughs> <laughs> great. All right, Wes, what are what are we doing today? Can you kind of explain what, what your role is going to be and what, uh, what, what Alex and I are going to be doing? Well, Perry, as long as I've known him, has had some very strong opinions towards movies that belong to Disney Toon Studios. Am I right? Yes. Not all bad. Not all bad. Not all bad. No, but I mean, some are very good. Yeah. We yeah, will, absolutely. Strong. Good. Strong is the word for it. Mm-hmm, firm. Yes. Um, so basically, we're going to get a rundown, a rundown of the history as to why it exists, because that's a question that currently sits in my mind. <laughs> um, and we're going to run through them. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about it. Every single one, kind of. <laughs> yeah, briefly. You're briefly. not going to be here for the rest of your life, no. but this so, is going to. Some will get more more airtime than others, as they deserve. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Alex is here joining us for the first half of our look into Disney Tune Studios, um, and he's going to help us out with some of the ones that came before our time. Not to not to call you old or anything, but you know, I'm going to share my experience, boys. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Would you prefer to be called a seasoned or experienced? I prefer to be called. Sir, thank you. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Sir Alex Stewart, you've been knighted by banter. I hardly know a podcast. I love it. I I like our- I like seasoned. I feel like that's good. Everybody yeah. loves a seasoned steak, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Or like tacos. Right. That's what I think <laughs> when I think of seasoned. <laughs> totally down. Totally down. Whatever it's seasoned, give it to me. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, so just real quick before we jump into the first movie in the catalog uh i just want to say disney tune studios is what we know it as but it actually started out as disney movie tunes which was an animation company that was created just before its first feature was in 1990 um, and it was pretty much just created to make some supplemental films some direct-to-video films and i don't know if they ever intended it to be to make as many movies and as it did um, but it really turned into something that just pumped out three, four movies a year. I don't know. Alex, what do you know about like why it was created and, and what it was created for? Well, I think that's a that's a great question. I think that one of the big things to look at is um, where Disney was in this era. And it was smack dab in the the prime of Michael Eisner's running of the show. And for those who may not know a ton about Disney, the, the company was pretty, pretty listless, lifeless, and th- uh, facing potential corporate takeovers in the early 80s. And Roy Disney's son, uh, Roy E. Disney, ended up actually, it's pretty, it's, it's a crazy dramatic story that he, he hosted a coup of the board at Disney and forced Michael Eisner basically to get in as CEO of the company. And along with CEO of the company, he brought over 
Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was also, I believe, working at Paramount at the time with Michael Eisner. And Jeffrey Katzenberg was both of them essentially saw themselves as modern day Walt Disney incarnates. And as we talk here through the future of these, we can kind of see where that finally comes to a a head and there's a, a crazy breakdown that happens. But in the beginning, there was this beautiful corporate and creative synergy that happened. And Michael Eisner was able to take a lot of the structures that Disney had had in place and put this mechanical kind of elegantly beautiful corporate structure to it. And that also took place in the studio system. And one of the big things that they saw was the advent of the Walt Disney, um, what was it? Walt Disney Home Video, I believe was what the title was. So you see this merging of creativity and technology and Michael Eisner's belief that you can make a large scale movie for a low budget and make a ton of money potentially. And if you don't, you don't lose that much money. And he called it a high concept idea. And so this is, I think, from my understanding, this is where Disney Toon kind of uh, found its inception was as as the Disney Renaissance kicked off with, I mean, there's people who will dispute it. I personally believe that the Disney Renaissance strictly begins with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, though there's a lot of people who will be like, that's ridiculous. It was always (laughs) the Little Mermaid and always will be the Little Mermaid. But I would argue until I'm blue in the face why Who Framed Roger Rabbit started the, the, the revolution. But what happened is you look at Little Mermaid was what, 1987, 88? And the first Disney tunes start coming out in 1990. And you can see that it's a direct desire for Michael Eisner to kick out VHS sales left and right for a low cost, but potentially high payout in the end because they're using or reusing a lot of that mainstream Disney IP, not releasing sequels in the theaters and instead doing it on home video. Yeah. Wow. You said so, that a lot better than I should have. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm long-winded when it comes to those types of things. I apologize. <laughs> Well, uh, as we see when we like start going through this, they they didn't start pumping them out like with more than one or two a year. Um, they started out, you know, making them at a, at a fairly normal pace, and then mm-hmm. by the time you get more and more into it, you're getting three or four movies out of the studio every year. And I think that maybe had something to do with perceived lack in quality um, that eventually led to its downfall. But that's not to say that that the the first movies were all good either um because <laughs> they yeah. definitely weren't yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> so Wes uh where do where do we where do we get started here with this this discussion well i don't know how you want to get this started well there's there's a movie that there's starts movie? it all one one movie there's one movie came out in 1990 and it is ducktales can you give us a a little a little tidbit? A little tidbit. Well, when you look at when you it. look at like oh gosh, what's that called? Like it's not poster art. That's not the right word, is it? Poster. Just poster. The, cover the, cover art. That's what it is, right? Well, cover art's more of like a musical term, I think. I feel like it's the same. We'll call We're it box call it art. Box, box art. Yeah, that works too. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess they didn't have. They weren't in. Most of them weren't in theaters, so it's not like yeah, theater advertisements. Right. So yeah. anyway, yeah. That's we true. At the, when you look at the newly coined term box art. Uh, it looks like if Indiana Jones was an aquatic bird. 
And I think that's exactly how it was marketed too, without question. <laughs> it's called it's called DuckTales Treasure of the Lost Lamp, which reminds me of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um mm-hmm. I have, have not you guys seen, seen this? this? I have not. I have. I have. I have seen I, most of these films, but not definitely not all of them. But I will this say is one this. that I watched recently. Yeah, I haven't I, I haven't watched it in gosh, probably 15 years, but I will say that when I was a kid, this was one of my favorite movies. I don't know if this has stood the test of time, though. In my heart, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. That Unless it doesn't you have stand a... the test of time, but it's good in my heart. <laughs> oh, I would agree that it doesn't stand the test of time. Yeah. <laughs> Fair um, enough. I watched it for the first time probably about six weeks ago, something like that, uh, on Disney Plus. And we love Disney Plus. We, we do. The opportunity to watch mm-hmm. all these for free is nice. Well, now, real quick, I'm... are all of these on Disney Plus? As far as I know, pretty much. Uh, I've watched a few of them in preparation for this episode. Another one being Pocahontas 2, which I would never otherwise watch by choice. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I do think most of them are on Disney+. Plus and, and okay, Deftail good to know. One I was, one I was definitely interested in. Because I did watch the show. The show was, was solid. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. the show. It's it, it's kind of interesting. So we had a uh, we actually were talking to Tom Bancroft a couple weeks ago on the on the show, longtime Disney animator, and I asked him about this movie a little bit because so if you're not familiar with Ducktales, the Treasure of the Lost Lamp, uh, it's about essentially all the ducks like Scrooge McDuck, Huey Dewey Louie, Launchpad McQuack, who is like the best character. Oh, so awesome! <laughs> and uh, and there's some other characters as well, but they find this lamp that has a genie, and they're trying to keep it away from Murloc the magician and his sidekick. But I found it interesting because this movie comes out in 1990 mm-hmm. before Aladdin comes out. And the genie in it has some very similar properties to the genie of Aladdin in terms of, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's just universal how genies work, but I didn't really know other than Aladdin have any have any exposure to how genies work. But yeah, he has all pretty much the same properties. And it made mm-hmm. me wonder, like, did aladdin take some kind of inspiration from this genie and tom assured me there was never any discussion of ducktales in their production meetings so <laughs> interesting that. i think that it's very I, i'll say the genie character always stood out to me i don't know if anybody out there is familiar with an actor named rip taylor who <laughs> rip taylor was i don't i i think he started out as a comedian um, he, he loved just throwing around a lot of glitter and that was like his, his big thing was the, the glitter guy. And I don't know if the voice of the genie is actually Rip Taylor or if it's just a knockoff, a poor man's Rip Taylor, but you can definitely tell if you guys look up YouTube videos on Rip Taylor that without a doubt, there is no question that they had Rip Taylor in mind. Rip Taylor is the genie confirmed. Is he really? He is. Okay. okay. That all right. Perfect. So <laughs> well, there that you is go. The there you go. More, than, more than just inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your opinions on on the movie itself? So I I loved it. I thought again, like I said, as a kid, I absolutely adored it. I remember there being some parts where I was just like, this is this is kind of dark for for a, a little kid like myself. But 
<laughs> overall, I thought it was delightful because, again, I love DuckTales. And then when you get Indiana Jones mixed with DuckTales, as a seven-year-old kid, what could be better in life? <laughs> Can't think of much. I agree. Yeah. I, so, yeah, that was my opinion. I need to go back. I actually bought it on DVD for my kids to watch, and we haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. And so but since you said it doesn't hold up, part of me doesn't want to do that because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to ruin that for myself. I watched Meet the Deedles a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and that just that hurt me because I had such fond memories of that movie. And then I watched it and boy, it's a, it's a rough movie. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. I think your kids, I don't know how old your kids are, but I think they would still enjoy it. What I kind of meant was, uh, when I say it doesn't hold up is I'm watching it as a 23 year old and for the first time. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, I actually really enjoy like, cause I did watch a little of the DuckTales growing up, even though I didn't have Disney channel until I was like 14 mm-hmm. DuckTales was already off the air, but they always had some like reruns and stuff that I would, I would watch. I definitely always enjoyed the like expedition, like really Indiana Jones parts of the show. I felt that the movie was really like the first 15 minutes are the best part. And then the rest of the movie is mostly just kind of, you know, adventures and babysitting the genie in the house in there <laughs> yeah. in the DuckTales house, you know, Webby's got her hands full. That's for sure. <laughs> so it, it loses its luster a little bit as it goes, but I, you know, it's, it's uh, it's very entertaining for for the younger audience. I would say for sure. I'll have to jump in with it with the kids here soon. So, what do we have next on the catalog, Wes? Well, Alex, you mentioned this earlier. I think that Aladdin and the Return of Jafar was a massive disappointment for your childhood. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, th- and as we see on the list here, this is the first direct to video release that Disney Toon gave to us. And so as a kid going to Aladdin and seeing Aladdin and just being blown away by Aladdin and then being promised that there's a sequel, you're like, ooh, I get more world of Agrabah. This is going to be amazing. And so they they just promoted the the heck out of that movie. And it released and I don't even I don't don't think we bought it. I'm pretty sure we rented it from uh, some local no-name movie store. And we watched it. And I remember like 15 minutes into it, just thinking, even like at, at this point, I was nine years old. I remember at nine years old thinking, this is bad movie making. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. At, at nine years old, it being so apparent to a nine-year-old, you know that it's a bad movie when even a nine-year-old, I would have been, thrilled to see a cactus fall on a bird at that point in my life. But this one was just miserable. It, and it was one of those where it was the old bait and switch that they said, this is what they, they marketed the movie through trailers, through advertising, marketing, everything as one movie. And then you get the package and you watch it and you're like, this is literally nothing that you sold (laughs) to us. I have been betrayed. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Wes, do you have a synopsis to read for those who maybe don't yeah. uh, don't know The Return of Jafar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, the Sultan is grooming Aladdin as new vizier? Yeah, vizier. Vizier? yeah he was the royal vizier. Yeah. Um, future son-in-law and heir to the throne of Agrabah, stirring palatial? Mm. Palatial. <laughs> palatial. Palatial. Unrest. Former vizier... Uns- <laughs> what are these words, Barry? You're Barry? struggling with words, man. <laughs> 
Former Vicier Unsurper? Whatever. Usurper? So, Jafar. Jafar was banished to a genie lamp, but is dug up by ambitious simpleton crook Abismal, whom Jafar manages to manipulate his three wishes so he can regain his power and return to Agrabah for revenge. His egotistic, formerly trusted parrot, Yago, has already managed to cash in on the palace's gratitude, but is facing conflicting loyalties when his former master reveals himself to him. Genie is finally back and must take on a magic duel against Jafar, whose dirty tricks land Aladdin and Jasmine in the dungeons. Bum, bum, bum. You know, this looks like the... I've never seen it, but you know what it looks a lot like to me? The whole, mm, first movie was great and people love this side character. Let's make them more important. And then it, exactly it uh, it was uh, cars two is what it is rip. except for they didn't get robin back and that's the that's the that's big right robin now, didn't come back for this one and that one that doomed it from the start do you guys know off the top of your head when the aladdin series released on television uh, because i think it was around this same time and i'm wondering if they have the same voice actor for the series as they did in this in this train wreck well, you know, I have Google right in front of me, yep. so I'm going to find out. And one thing while you're looking that up, I love this shows how poor movie making this is. The the character Abyss Mal is abysmal. That's just his name <laughs> is abysmal. And <laughs> I think that, that his his name actually explains this entire movie, in my opinion. Mal. <laughs> it's a little bit like the uh, the whole Evelyn Dever thing from Incredibles 2. Yeah. Oh, yes. Same yes. idea. Uh, that definitely clued everyone in on who the villain was going to be beforehand. I love that really heavy-handed <laughs> foreshadowing like that. Genie was Dan... Dan Castellaneta. Yeah, so, so you oh, were correct Oh, Dan there, Castellaneta. So. So he was the, the the genie in both uh, the the first sequel and the TV series that was made okay. in aired from February of ninety four to November of ninety five. Are and, we talking Dan Castellaneta of Simpsons fame? Uh, I don't know any other Dan Castellaneta, so I'm going to ch- <laughs> double check that. I'm uh, uh, Dan Castellaneta. From my understanding, isn't he the voice of Homer? Yes. Yeah, he is the voice of Homer. Wow. Okay. Okay. Guys, I know my voice artists here. I'm impressed. I am am also very passionate about the art that is voice acting. Very underrated. So, wait, I have a question. Okay. What's the point of a direct-to-video movie? That is a great question. (laughs) Was it because it was like like the height of Blockbuster and people were just renting stuff out the wazoo or what? Yeah, so I mean, from my understanding around that time, uh, again, from a strategic standpoint, Michael Eisner was looking to make as much money with as little risk as possible. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about the the financial risk that a, a big blockbuster animated film has behind it, if you can, one, outsource that to a different country that requires less compensation for the animation and you can actually kind of cut corners on quote unquote, like the, the quality of the animation, you don't have to pay guys like Glenn Keane to animate your film and make it a, a modern day masterpiece like Beauty and the Beast. Um, so you can cut costs there. And you can also still hope to make a decent amount of money by releasing it to people who are obsessed with the collection of 
Walt Disney home video VHS at that point. Mm -hmm. So I think that he saw it from a strategic standpoint as a win-win situation. You don't have to spend all the money on a marketing budget to have a, a wide release. And you have the potential of making a ton of money back on a low budget production. Mm, mm, absolutely. And you keep you keep the characters relevant as well for a longer period so of you time. So sell more merch. Absolutely. Merchandising. Because yep, I guarantee absolutely. you someone out there loves this movie. Probably. They might be wrong. I mean, honestly, but... I could probably, let's see. <laughs> I'm on IMDb and I'm looking at user reviews. There's got to be some that people like love it that I can make fun of them. Yeah, I'm curious <laughs> what Rotten Tomatoes gives on this too because... You guys want to look that up real quick? Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of like sevens out of tens, which is oh, wow. here's a good one. That's... A pitiful sequel, one out of ten. I kind of agree with that. A little closer. There's I'm surprised. Here... Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 33. percent Wow. <laughs> That's Oof. incredible. Oh wait, yeah, nope, nope, nope. That's King of Thieves. That's King of Thieves. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Here. Real. Real. Cuervos uh, on June 16th, the day before my birthday of 2010, says, I am very pleased with this movie. It takes daring turns and has charm. Not <laughs> to mention turns. pretty cool and dramatic opening. Iago turning good was kind of hilarious since he is so greedy. Too bad it wasn't on cinema with a higher budget, but regardless, I love it. Uh, I just love that this this user implies that this is bold and and daring filmmaking. It was that's, an art, it was an artistic move. Yeah, bold and daring, like literally not any of. I don't think I think that's like the whole point of the whole studio was to not be daring. You know? Exactly. Let's play it safe, but yeah. apparently they didn't get oh, that across. Oh, so what's this uh, Scott Winger, Weingar? How do you, I don't remember. I think it is just Scott Winger. We Winger, Weinger. He is the, yeah. the voice of the original Aladdin. And yeah, he did reprise the role. But I think they got, and Linda Larkin also was back for Jasmine, but it looks like Leah Salonga did not do the singing voice. It was done by Liz Calloway. Well, this Brad Kane did Aladdin's voice, but that's, isn't that the same the, one? The Aladdin singing voice. I think it is the same one. So Aladdin's singing voice was the same, so. Wow. Well, Gilbert Gottfried was back as Iago, which is important. Of course. Jeff Bennett, the legend himself, was in quite a few small roles, I, I think, but it just calls him a thief. But I imagine he did quite a few because he usually does. Oh, and Jason Alexander as Abismal. Just I'm not coming... as familiar with him. I hate that name so much. <laughs> oh, I do too. Jason Alexander is uh, George Costanza from Seinfeld. Oh. Yes, yes. Gotcha. You know, some say I remind them of George Costanza. Costanza. Oh, and short. Uh, okay. Yeah. Are you are you neurotic or I'm just I'm curious because you know I'm not sure. I don't like to put labels on myself. People just do it for me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. No, we we can't avoid those, man. Yes. I, <laughs> I won't put you in that category until I get to know you a little oh, bit better. Thanks. thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Well, after that atrocity came possibly the greatest thing Disney has ever made. Uh, I don't know about that, but maybe the greatest thing Disney Toon has ever it's made. It's the greatest thing Disney has <laughs> ever made, and one of the reasons Perry and I are still friends. This is true. We Nin love this. 1995. You, hopefully, y'all can guess it by now. Yeah, we do talk about it like our, every other week. Yeah, but in 1995 came the masterpiece that is a Goofy movie. A Goofy movie. So good. So good. So good. Wes, do you have a, a quick synopsis on that one? For, 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 any, for any heathens you me, that maybe don't. Do you want me to read one or you want me to just say it? <laughs> I just like, say it. I yeah, just like give, say us, it. give your quick 30 All right, seconds. So synopsis. you got your homie Max. He wants a girl. Her name is Roxanne. Mm. And he tries to impress her. But turns out Max is kind of weird and kind of a loser. So not entirely. Eh, not entirely. Needless to say. He's just a goof. Got, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he's just a goof. You know, that is great. Uh. And anyway, he gets in trouble. Goofy's like, we need some father son time. So they go on a road trip. 
and it's a train wreck. Oh, yes, it's a train wreck. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a great thing for us. And there's a lot of <laughs> great music. They meet Bigfoot. Pete and Goofy go bowling. Oh, yes. Uh, Goofy teaches him the perfect cast. Max is devious and says, let's go to the Powerline concert, the greatest artist of our generation. <laughs> and they get there and have the single greatest musical number I've ever seen. And True. in the end, he gets Roxanne. Yeah. Just and it's because the, he he does the dance that's the the perfect exactly. cast, right? The perfect Isn't that the, the, the perfect chaos? Yeah, <laughs> the perfect chaos. I can't do a goofy. Oh, we accent. can't forget uh, Lester's Possum Park either. Oh, I actually just got a Lester's Possum Park shirt, Wes. No way. Yeah, I did. It's a so. disturbing scene. I, I oh, remember for sure. I just watched it with my kids a few weeks ago, and that's the interesting thing is you guys you guys love this movie. I mean, how old are you guys? I'm curious. I'm 23. And I'm 22. Okay, yeah. so I'm 34, so I'm like tw- I'm uh, 11, 12 years older than you guys. This movie didn't resonate with my age group as it did yours. And here's the here's the weird thing. Again, our 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 nostalgia kicks in because I love this movie now, but I remember mm-hmm. when I saw it when I was a kid. We waited until it went to the dollar theater because we were like, nah, I don't mm-hmm. know. And I remember mm. going for a kid's birthday party and all of us walked out and we were like, oh, lame. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Wow. I know. I know. I know. But that's the crazy thing is we were so used to these these grandiose, exciting movies that Disney had been putting out at that time. I mean, think about it. We've got around this era, you've got The Little Mermaid, you've got Beauty and the Beast, you've got Aladdin, you've got mm. The Lion King. So these these yep. giant blockbusters and then a goofy movie comes out and it didn't it didn't resonate when it first came out. But I'm so thankful that this was because this movie really became huge once it hit VHS for mm-hmm. younger audiences. I'm assuming that you I mean, there's probably no way that you guys could have ever seen this on anything other than a television, right? Correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh- my family had it on VHS. That's where I saw it for the first time. Yeah, yeah I don't. I think I probably saw it for the first time like on Disney Channel. Uh, oh, really? Probably as like a, a young teen, early teens. Um, Man, I saw this before you did. I definitely d- wow. got into it more as I got older because it's one of those really just fun, silly, low commitment watches. It's like an hour ten. Yeah, like it kind of reminds me of The Emperor's New Groove in the sense that. Um, mm-hmm. it's not a masterpiece. It didn't do super well in theaters. Emperor's New Groove really did not do well in theaters, but then it became like the biggest, it's, like uh, a, it's a cult classic. It became like the biggest, yeah. uh, DVD seller or VHS seller, like of all time for Disney for a while. I don't know if it still holds that title. Interesting. Yeah, so, I didn't know I mean, that it had that title. It did have that title. Uh, it sold extremely well, um, once it was released, but I don't have the stats in front of me, but I've heard that that number before. One thing that's really cool about uh, about a goofy movie is the voice cast. If you're a if you are a voice acting enthusiast of Disney, this has some of the biggest names. Bill Farmer, Goofy, like for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. And he's also uh, plays a big role in the Looney Tunes Jason Marsden, who is kind of new to the scene, but he's great as Max Goof. Jim Cummings is probably the the name of all Disney animation mm-hmm. names, and he's in pretty much every single one of these movies we're going through today. But he is Pete. Rob Paulson is PJ, yes. and mm-hmm. he's he's very famous as well. I listen to his his Talking Tunes podcast quite often. He's also been like Carl Weezer in yep. Jimmy Neutron, basically he, the same thing as PJ. He was um <laughs> he was Pinky right in Pinky and the Brain. Oh really? 
and oh, okay. he is also okay. ya- uh, Yakko in Animaniacs. Wow, so. interesting. Yeah, this he's huge. He's huge. I actually, I um, I'm pl- I'm going to plug this also. I'm in the works uh, to start a voiceover acting podcast with a, a wonderful lady named Katie Lee, who is huge in the. She played Sunny Gummy in the Gummy Bear series, and she is Connie Kendall in a show called Adventures in Odyssey. Oh, which is we're like very a, familiar. I, I thought I knew that name, and I just looked it up. I am super familiar with Adventures in Odyssey. <laughs> okay, perfect. So, yeah, she and I are are in talks right now trying to come up with a podcast that's basically all about this because nobody knows the voices behind all of these characters and how amazing they are. So I love that I have kindred spirits on people who who love the voice actors behind our favorite characters. That's great. Yeah, I, I I can definitely appreciate it. And if you do that podcast, let me know and I will subscribe immediately. <laughs> oh, without question, without question. I think, and I also need to say with a goofy movie, I, I recognize the error of my ways because I was, it, it was, it came out at an inconvenient time where I was just a little old for it. And I was like, meh, no thanks. But now, I mean, I probably watched it five or six years after it came out onto video. And I remember thinking, man, I gave this movie a bad rap. But it is, it's solid storytelling. It is storytelling that even, what, 25 years now since it's come out, it still stands the test of time. It is a mm-hmm. great truly classic Disney film. There's no question about it. Oh, absolutely. And, and it really, they didn't, they, they put some money into it. Uh, it only made like 33 million from the box office, but they put some money into it. Kevin Lima was the director and he went on to direct Enchanted and uh, Tarzan as well. Wow. And are you familiar with Wallace Shawn? Does that we, name yeah, ring a bell? we are. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. Yeah, he's the first <laughs> voice you hear, I'm pretty sure. Principal Principal Mazer. Um, I forget. He's just talking about the summer vacation and doing homework. Yeah, he's, and, he's yeah. doing like the school assembly or whatever. Yeah, and then he invites. The, Stand out. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's the best. That's such a great opening scene. Anyway, all right, we can, we could talk about this movie all day, but we probably should. We should have a goofy. We, have a lot we should have a goofy movie episode sometime. You guys Honestly. should just have a goofy movie podcast. You are right. <laughs> a spinoff. I love your guys' enthusiasm for this. This is amazing. <laughs> all right, we gotta move on. All right, all right. So, so number. Number four, number four, um, Aladdin creeps back in with mm. King of Thieves. And from what I understand, this one was better. Yes. Oh, it was the redemption. Yes. yes. Oh, okay. I agree. I mean, you meet, from what I remember, you meet Aladdin's dad, don't you? Indeed. Yeah. So this yeah. I actually kind of grew up on. We had this on VHS. Uh, it came out the year I was born, so I didn't watch it immediately, obviously, but we had it on VHS, so I watched it quite a bit, and I think the biggest redeeming factor is, A, they put the genie back where you're supposed to be on the as side. a sidekick, and B, it was Robin Williams back reprising the role, so that ah. played a huge role in, in its success, for sure. Without question, and it's got Sala in it as Kasim, John Rhys-Davies, who is awesome. Hmm. Oh yeah, if, I've heard that. If name you guys before. are fa- Indiana on. Jones, he is I am the monarch of the seas. Bad dates. Um Indiana I, I believe yes. we first see him in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then he shows back up after the fever dream of uh Temple of Doom in Last Crusade. You are named after the dog. I mean, he's got all <laughs> of the greatest lines in all of the Indiana Jones movies. 
Yes, I definitely am familiar with him. But I, if you guys have ever ridden a... the Indiana Jones Adventure at Disneyland, I um, have. You guys, don't, you guys don't have it at Disney World. He's the guy who does the the opening safety video. Oh, okay. Welcome, yeah. my friends. Yes, oh, that's I him. Totally, I had no idea that that was the same connection. Didn't put the name with the with the roles, but man, another big name for the the third sequel. Uh, or the second sequel, the third movie in the franchise. So at this point, the, they're the, still they're still kind of pulling out all the stops. It's a trilogy at this point. I mean, <laughs> all there is to it. I always and remember it, this as being the one that like they finally get married. <laughs> it took yes, so yeah. Long. It 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 was a long time coming for Pete's sake. Here he is being groomed to be the next Grand Vizier. And he's not even married yet. That's jumping yeah. the gun, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. But I do remember really loving this movie. I remember thinking, okay, we got the stinker out of the way, and now we've got something that's really, really justifiable. And I believe the merchandising that they pushed for this movie actually was pretty cool from what I remember, too. They had some very memorable, you know, I think it was Happy Meals or something like that, had the King of Thieves toys. and. Mm. If I recall, they were pretty awesome. I know I had a toy from somewhere. I think I, I think I remember those as well. For some reason, I have a faint memory. I, I mean, I definitely, definitely remember the Burger King dinosaur toys more. Um, ah, <laughs> do you remember yes. those? Um, the baby. Wait, you mean the not the not the live action, but the the computer animated? Uh, yes, the hand puppets oh, okay. that they had for Burger King. The t- from 2000s oh, dinosaur. Oh yes, yes, I had yes. Those. I had both of them. I had them both. Of yes. Them. <gasps> Uh, I do yeah. remember those. Again, you guys are in a different era. I was 14 when those came out, so I couldn't really justify getting a kid's meal anymore. I hey, wanted You them. can always justify <laughs> getting a kid's meal. Touche. The climate's different now. The climate's different. True. I love that you can justify those types of things. If I were to tell people back in the day that I love Star Wars, I would have been hung up by my underwear, whereas now it's like, <laughs> bro, going to go out for varsity this week before I go see Star Wars. And those worlds did not exist together when I was but a lad. But I digress. Um, Aladdin, King of Thieves, I recommend. I'm going to try to get that onto my Disney Plus uh, list because I want to rewatch it. And you can you can watch it without watching the second one. You can just forget about the second one. It doesn't matter. So I can act like it doesn't exist. Yeah, Yeah, they're kind of standalones. Yep. Yeah, that's probably the way to do it, honestly. It's pretty good. Uh, you meet Aladdin's dad. There's this whole thing about the Hand of Midas and the 40 Thieves. It's a pretty fun story. Nothing that's going to blow your mind away, but like, you know, it's 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 solid. I like that they tied it back into, what is it, 1001 Arabian Nights yes, with, with yes. the 40 Thieves and the Aladdin story. Those both came from the same source material, and uh-huh. that's why I think they complement each other so well. Well, and in you the could, song, Friend Like Me, it talks about the 40 Thieves. Exactly. True. But his dad isn't Alibaba, right? Uh, no. <laughs> no, it's yeah. not. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. I just was curious. <laughs> All right. The next few are not super noteworthy. What do we got, Wes? Well, we jump into the year of my birth in 97 with uh, Pooh's Grand Adventure, The Search for Christopher Robin, which has a 7.1, which kind of blows my mind. It's the highest one so far <laughs> yeah. on IMDb. How dare they do that to a goofy What's movie? this one about, Wes, real quick? It sounds kind of dark, actually, from what I could read. The IMDb one says, Winnie the Pooh and company embark on a quest to rescue Christopher Robin from a certain doom in a place called Skull after misreading oh. a note they left for him. Yes. Okay. He left for that. School, them, but he spells school wrong. Yes. He's oh. going off to school. 
he spells school wrong and they're like skull oh no you know he's going off the skull it's dangerous oh, dear. save him I think it's a good thing he's going to school because clearly he needs the help spelling yeah, if he's true. spelling it. As, <laughs> this is what communication issues cause is fear of the monstrous Skullosaurus. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm not positive. There may have been some TV before this of uh, Jim Cummings' role uh, as Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, um, you know, taking over from mm-hmm. the original was Sterling Holloway um, mm-hmm. and then 77, I think it was. But, you know, this does kind of start his t- or his movie longevity, I guess, of being the the Winnie the Pooh and the Tigger that we all know. So that's that's noteworthy, I guess. Um, but the movie itself doesn't stick out to me as being anything special, I guess. Winnie the Pooh never really was something I, I was um, crazy about anyway. What about you, Alex? I, yeah. I, well, I think that another another name that I think we need to point out is Andre Stoika who was the voice of Owl in this. You see that the, the the regular lineup is kind of established with this film. And Andre Stoika is, uh, if you're an Odyssey fan, he is the current voice of John Avery Whitaker on Adventures in Odyssey, um, who actually took over this role of uh, Owl from Hal Smith, who died in 1994, who was the original John Avery Whitaker. So these two were kind of going back and forth I guess I should say Andre Stoika was following the legendary Hal Smith as he was going through. Hal Smith, if you ever want to see him on something live action, just go watch the old Andy Griffith Show episodes. And he was the town drunk Otis in the Andy Griffith Show. And then he segued into one of the most amazing and beloved voice actors of our time in especially a lot of Disney IP. But I digress with that. Winnie the Pooh never really struck me as a kid. Now, as an adult, I see Winnie the Pooh as some of the most endearing IP that Disney has available. I think it's all just adorable, precious, cute. I'm weirded out by like the the piglet backpacks, fanny packs, everything like that. <laughs> but, and like, I don't know, I've just never been huge in the merchandise when when you've got Eeyore shirts that are just like, yes, it's one of those days or whatever. I'm just like, nah, no, thank you. But <laughs> I do I do love the the new the, the the rebooted of sorts Winnie the Pooh that came out in what was it? Oh, six, oh, seven with uh, the, the, the Sherman Brothers. Yeah. With the Sherman Brothers. I believe who wrote that the was score. 2011, actually. Was it, was it 11? The, the okay. latest movie. Yeah. Well, it wasn't the the latest. It was, um, it was the Lasseter release, which I believe was was that that two thousand eleven. The that one was by like Walt Disney feature film animation, right? Yeah, it was. It was spearheaded by John Lasseter to kind of give new life to the 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 Pooh franchise. And I don't remember what year it came out. Double but checking for you. It is two thousand eleven. Okay, because Pooh kind of got relegated to this Disney Toon world for mm-hmm. a very long time. That it was just like, well, let's put these out. The kids will love them, and it will tie into what we're doing on the Disney Channel. The end. Yeah, and yeah, I, don't, I think sure. it deserves more than that. So they are definitely but, very endearing characters that deserve to have some longevity and and don't just shelve them. I guess is what I'm saying. I agree. I agree. Just like all the characters that we we see in the the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> Have either of you guys seen that one? Uh, well, before we are we talking, you're talking about Enchanted Christmas. Oh yes. Real quick, before we move on to that, I did, I need to correct myself because I said uh, 
I said that Jim Cummings was the voice of Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. Actually, Paul Winchell, the original voice of Tigger, this he did voice Tigger in The Search for Christopher Robin, and that was his last movie performance. I just looked that up, and that's actually kind of neat. Cummings well, did the singing voice. Oh, interesting, because, yeah, it only it has on on really reputable Wikipedia. It says that Jim Cummings is the voice of Winnie the Pooh on that cast list there. So that no, he is Winnie the Pooh, but he is not Tigger. Oh, okay, okay, All right. Yeah. Yeah. He takes it looks like he took that over in ninety nine. All right. All righty. Uh, so to answer your question about the Enchanted Christmas, uh, I have it on VHS. I don't remember seeing it, to be honest with you. I know it's downstairs in our VHS cabinet that maybe still exists. I don't know. My mom may have donated all of them. but uh, Which is a, a shame, a crying shame. <laughs> yeah, maybe refresh my memory a little bit. I have n- literally never seen this movie. Oh, you have not? No, less. no. Refresh both I was, of our memories. I was being sarcastic well, about memorable characters. It is being <laughs> called a midquel. Okay. <laughs> just as is the next one we'll talk about. There's yeah, two in a row. Two midquels like. for let's just let's just talk about them both at Wait, once. How do you have a never mind? Oh that I know. A midquel would be a sequel within the storyline yes. of the OG. Yes. Um so looks like Bell prepares for the Castle Christmas, even though the best beast doesn't want it to happen. Big shocker there. Uh she tries to bring him happiness for the season. Forte, a pipe organ. Fears the Bell's plans may eventually bring about an end to the curse, the curse that brought him more importance in the Master's life. Forte uses... Is it Fife or Fife? Fife Either one sounds good. Uh, (laughs) flute. Oh, Fife. Like the musical instrument, probably. Yeah. A flute who desperately wants a solo to destroy Bell's plans and get rid of her. (laughs) So so we have household appliances that don't want to be human again. That's such generated, like, manufactured plot. It sounds painful. Well, yeah, because is is the Fife in love with Beast? Is that what the no, story is? No, they they finally have a purpose. It says so. They didn't have as much of a purpose as humans, and they have more purpose now as instruments. Mm. Oh, so she don't want to lose. She don't want to lose their importance. She wants to stay an object. Oh, yeah. Okay, Tim Tim Curry though as Forte, the Piper organ. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Why have I heard that name a million times? I have. I have too. Tim Curry, it, well, started fame as a uh, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. And then from there, you see Tim Curry as, um, well, if you guys are Disney fans, he is the uh, main pirate in Muppet Treasure Island. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, you you would know Tim Curry the minute you see his face or hear his voice. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. <laughs> yeah, I remember he that is, too. Yeah, he's like the concierge. Yep. He is also in Phineas and Ferb, which is, which is favorite thing ever. Phenomenal. You know, He's not an important character, but you know, Alex, I had to give Perry a full schooling on Rocky Horror Picture Show a few weeks ago because he had no idea what it was. It's, I'm okay with that, honestly. I'm okay with not knowing. It's yeah, it's an interest. I, I it's a thing. I can't say I like it because I don't know if that's the word that I would use for it. There is <laughs> there is something that. I believe that anybody who who is a fan of cinema needs to see it. I think it's required viewing simply like I believe that something like The Room is required viewing for anybody who loves cinema. Not because it's I enjoy it, (laughs) but yeah, just because it's it it needs to be seen. Plan nine from outer space type stuff. There you go. Um, you have to watch it. <laughs> I don't want to, but maybe I will. <laughs> you have to be uh, in yeah. the right place for it. It's got great music. It's very weird. <laughs> 
West, what is Bell's Magical World? Because I don't have any idea. Is it, isn't it just like, I feel like I've heard that maybe it's just like some of those shorts, but. It uh, seems like it would unfold in the library yeah. if I had yeah. a guess. It says it's composed of three short stories. Uh, it's during her time in the castle with the beast. It says that the short stories suitably teach kids and adults to forgive, love, and be kind to one another. So okay. it sounds like it's a sociology class. Huh. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't, I don't have anything to say about this one. I don't know. We'll move on unless you have something to say about Bell's Magical World. I just love the assessment that it sounds like a sociology class. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Perry. Oh, this one. Oh, this Perry, next one. Perry doesn't seem too happy. Um, Pocahontas 2. What happens? Go ahead and read that synopsis. Yeah, am I reading the one that you have? On? Uh, have you can read whatever you want. Does she do what history says and marry John Rolfe instead? Yes. Yes, she does. And, oh, and does she? She does. And it's kind of funny uh, that you bring that up. Oh, yeah, wow. Wes, go ahead with the All right, so educate, says, educate people. When news of John Smith's death reaches America, Pocahontas is devastated. She sets off to London with John Rolfe to meet with the King of England on a diplomatic mission to create peace and respect between the two great lands. However, Governor Ratcliffe is still around. He wants to return to Jamestown and take over no matter what the cost he will stop at nothing to discredit the young princess <laughs> who princess would not be the correct term whatsoever yeah, well you know she's probably not even coronated yet by Disney World uh, but you well, know, oh, and well, it's 98 and Native American tribes didn't have princesses right 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 that's not a thing I yeah, think so the biggest I, concern that I have is this sounds like a, a political drama on the same level as the Phantom Menace. I'm just like, I don't want to <laughs> see like parliamentary debate with Pocahontas in a movie. That's what it sounds like to me. Yep. You're you're not wrong. Literally. So this one's rated. I think it's the second worst rated on IMDb of all of these uh, at 4.9. The first worst is The Hunchback 2. So this one I had never seen about a month ago read this synopsis in preparation for this episode and was so taken about by wait that's not the phrase taken aback taken back is that the phrase taken aback taken aback i was so taken aback by (laughs) it's a weird phrase this idea i didn't know the history of pocahontas which i eventually looked up and read about um that that the first movie would build up this romance with john smith and then it really didn't exist that didn't exist. And then not only did, so you like are supposed to be at least hurting that John Smith and them have to separate John Smith and Pocahontas. And then he's di- He fake dies just like, you know, rise of Skywalker all the time. And then <laughs> gotcha. he's not dead. And not only that, he's not only not dead, but they don't end up being together. She, no, she chooses someone else. And I was like, what? No, I guess that's just to be a little accurate with a little more accurate with history. loyalty is fleeting. Perry. That's not to say that this is historically accurate in any mean any way. But I just uh, I want to know why. Like, that's my <laughs> question is when you make a sequel, there really has to be. I mean, at least in logic, it seems like there's a reason. This movie doesn't seem like there's any why behind why we need to see this movie take right. place. It was the first one wasn't even really very successful. I from my <laughs> understanding it kind of marked the decline of the Renaissance period for Disney even though there's a lot of die-hard Disney animation fans who believe that this is the penultimate in mm. in the 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 Renaissance. But I don't feel like it it grabbed audiences like its predecessors. 
Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> Tom, when he was on our show, was saying that they in the studio when we're, he worked on both of these films and he said that uh, Pocahontas was thought to be the masterpiece by mm-hmm. executives and Lion King was the B team, the the movie that was maybe going to hit first, get to first base, get a base hit, but not get a home run, he said. Wow. And that was such a, a flip flop, which is incredible. But uh, yeah, this this movie, it's it's not it's not fun not a good watch it was fun to watch to make fun so, so that i can make fun of it now honestly uh john rolf and john smith play this game of whose sword is bigger you know what i mean oh. um <laughs> once they meet each other uh because they're both in love with pocahontas and yeah and she's just doing the whole wonder woman fish out of water in london thing and yeah i i don't understand the point of it existing i mean if you're trying to be historically accurate well she actually dies in England of poisoning at age 17. So exactly. That's why <laughs> I was just like, how she does also she die? Has, she also marries Cocoaum, has a kid with Cocoaum and then is taken away from her village and ha- is forced to marry or forced to have a kid with somebody else in the village. But that's not as romanticized in these movies. And I understand why. Mm. That, so. that was a depressing <laughs> synopsis right there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry to Sorry to lay that on you. Yep. Well, and I have to be completely honest. I have never seen Pocahontas. I oh really? That, I know. I know. I the original. I tell I'm I'm a film teacher by day, and I tell my <laughs> students that I have not seen Pocahontas, and uh, they they want my head on a platter the moment they hear that. <laughs> it is one that needs to be seen. I would say you should, you might want to get on that. That and Mulan. I haven't yes. seen Mulan or Pocahontas. Wow. I need to do it. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Mulan is, is, is a must. Uh, Pocahontas is just about the music for us. We like the music, but I really only like colors of the wind. Yeah. I don't really like any. Well, actually this, uh, Pocahontas two does have a decent song. Where do I go from here is a pretty good song. Um, I will say that's the first song Mm -hmm. in the movie while she's still in her village, uh, with her people. After that, she goes to London and the mood and the tone is all different. And, yeah, it's just not good. Uh, David Ogden Sears, I believe is his name, who plays Radcliffe, is is actually solid. He's still about the, you know, he's the same kind of villain performance you got from the first movie. But other than that, there's nothing nothing real good to watch about this movie. Ooh, is John Rolfe as Billy Zane? Is that what I'm seeing here? Uh, I believe Interesting. so. Interesting. I did not know that. Okay, that, I mean, he's got a, he's got a smoky voice. Or wait, what's yeah, no. yeah. Is he in Titanic? I, I always yeah. He's 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 the bad guy in Titanic, and okay. he also plays the Phantom, which is a hilarious movie. And I was just watching that the movies that made us, and he was going mm. to be Patrick Swayze's character in Dirty Dancing, but missed mm. out. Mm. So yeah, these these are the I, side things you get from yeah. Pocahontas Two: A Journey to the New World. I would pick a lot of. I would pick Patrick Swayze over a lot of people too. So, <laughs> all right. Next up, this is a movie Perry. I know that you're mildly fond of. Uh, yeah, I don't mind this. Next Lion one. King Two: Simba's Pride. Tell me about it. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Okay, uh, I don't sure. know if I have either. I've seen one and a half, but not two. Yes. Whereas Lion King is basically Hamlet. I don't know if you've heard that that kind of comparison. The story that Hamlet is is kind of the same storyline that Lion King follows. Uh, oh, yes. Lion King 2 is kind of the Romeo and Juliet. Juliet. I got that from the synopsis. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Simba's daughter, Kiara, kind of runs off and meets the, Kobu. I believe, nephew of ne- Scar. Uh, not no, it's, son. One, it's one of Scar's followers. Kids. Oh, okay. So, a follower's kid. I think they kind of say Uncle Scar or something. I think the kid, they Probably. call him Uncle Scar. Honestly. Um, Might so, as well. But His name is Kovu. S- 
Kovu. It's yeah, our, it's our guy Jason Marsden. Oh, yes, yes, Jason okay. Marsden's okay. back voicing Kovu. The same, most of the same voice actors are back. James Earl Jones, his voice mm. is in it. Uh, Matthew Broderick is a Simba again, and so that's pretty good. I think actually, what makes this movie so good is the how dark it is. Like, mm. it's not a phenomenal movie, but as far as these sequels go, this is really dark. And the villain, whose name is Nuka, I think. No, Zira. Nuka is somebody else. Uh, Nuka is this goofy kind of side character that is friends with Kovu. Mm. But Zira, I believe, is the villain. And she is really dark and she's hellbent on killing Simba. And she has this song. Um, oh, you like the song. Called My Lullaby. Mm-hmm. And that song is probably the second darkest Disney villain song in the whole canon behind Hellfire, I would say. Mm. Um, and yeah, so it's just it literally just talks about killing Simba, watching him burn, ripping him limb from limb. Like, Ooh. yeah, it's pretty dark, but it honestly it's a helps bedtime the song. <laughs> and then there's like there's the, the love story, which some people, you know, talk about. It's got that cult classic following same as like does, movie, honestly. does this end like Romeo and Juliet ends? No, no, oh, it does not. Good. We no, like it does that. not. It does end with them standing up for the the whole group of lions that they shouldn't be fighting, that they should join together and be united. And of oh. course, Zira doesn't take that well, but a lot of the other followers take it a little better. Uh, but yeah, I'd suggest it's kind of a fun watch. I grew up on this one, too. Sounds I like will. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, I think it sounds good. The only thing that's not a uh, that's a deal breaker for me is anything involving Andy Dick. Oh, yeah. And he is the voice of Nuka. Yes, and, uh, yes. that's that's a little rough. I mean, I'll, I'll forgive it. I'll forgive it. That guy's just a weirdo. I'm he is just a weirdo, and he is a there. weirdo in this movie too. Oh, uh, okay. So he's typecast, which is good. Yes, yes, absolutely, he is. But, okay, uh, I need to check. And I'm assuming this is on Disney Plus. I would assume so. I haven't checked. Uh, we <laughs> used to have this on a like. We had friends that lived in China that would always give us Chinese pirated DVDs uh, when they they'd come back and <laughs> I love that. visit. And we had this one and we watched it on like road trips all the time. So I'm fairly familiar with it. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I need to check it out. All right. What's next, Wes? All right. I've seen this one. Oh. Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. Nice. And I know that Perry really likes this and I also really like it. So now we need to know. It's a Alex great little collection. It. it is. Yeah. This it's is. Fun. This is. Is this the one that has um, the the just the shorts in them? Mm-hmm. Where like, yes. um, is this the one where where Max is brings a girl home for Christmas or something? Is that what this is? No, no, not a girl no, home. no. That's uh, that's twice upon a Christmas. This is yes. the once upon. This okay, is, this, this is, is not where... the computer anime. This is hand drawn, right? Yes. This is still hand drawn. This is where Mickey and Minnie sell. Their stuff. There's a gift of the Magi. Yeah. That's the third one. The second one is okay. uh, Max Goofy and Goofy's like Christmas learning about like Max wants Santa to be real so bad. And Goofy's mm-hmm. Goofy believes that Santa's real and he's trying to convince Max that he is while everybody else is trying to tell him that he's not. And so that's that whole story. Uh, and Goofy the, would believe okay. in Santa. <laughs> and then the first one is about the, uh, the Huey, Dewey and Louie, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and repeating Christmas over and over, learning mm-hmm. some lessons about you know, valuing family and time together and what Christmas is yeah. really all about. Yeah. So it's a year groundhog day, Christmas oh, day. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's actually, I think so far. this is, I think a great movie. I think it's, it's fun. I think it's a good little Christmas classic. Uh huh. I totally agree. I totally agree. Wayne Allrine is, or Allwine is 
Mickey. He's been doing it for years. So they got they got everybody that's supposed to be in it. And it's yeah. Oh, nothing, Corey, nothing Burton. Corey Burton. Corey Burton is Dale, which is a great voice actor. Alan Young, who is another great voice actor. Um, also the voice of Mr. Ed, Alan Young. Okay. Which you guys probably don't even know who Mr. Ed is. He was a talking horse back in the 1950s. I, I know who Mr. Ed is. Oh, he's it's it's classically <laughs> bad television, but for mm-hmm. some reason the show like was a hit back in yep, the day. It worked. <laughs> um, but he's also the voice of Scrooge McDuck. That's how most people know him as yep. the voice of Scrooge. Uh huh. And Kelsey Grammer is the narrator. So yeah, it's, that's Pretty very well interesting. Voice. Yeah. Yeah, that one's a yearly watch for me for sure. I think that this one just kind of speaks for itself. It's one of those that that's what's so nice about a Christmas movie is it doesn't have anything remarkably wonderful, but it doesn't have anything remarkably horrible. And that's how it can stand the test of time in something like this. Absolutely. Totally agree. This next, Mm, what is this next one? Well, we've got, we've got two, uh, part of the Winnie the Pooh saga. Oh yeah. Two in in a a row row. here. We've got Winnie the Pooh, the seasons of giving, which I'm assuming is a Christmas story. Um, it also says, it's also three stories. Yeah. And, and it came out the same Christmas. Interesting. Oh. 99. I haven't seen this, so I don't know. Um, I haven't I, either. I probably have. It sounds super familiar. It looks super familiar, but I can't. I'm trying to find a quick synopsis and I've got nothing. All right. Just says, join Pooh and his friends for three stories about the seasons. Well, maybe we'll have to do that sometime. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> oh, it features new songs by the Sherman Brothers, though, which I think oh. is very interesting. Okay. Wow, that's that's pretty big. That's pretty big. Yeah. Especially because this was this this was directed home video, right? It was, yes, definitely direct to video. So that's amazing. I mean, here you have the two biggest. I mean, as far as Disney names go. They are the two biggest songwriters in Disney history, arguably. And mm-hmm. they're doing and the music. They also have music by Howard Shore on here. Holy mackerel. They've like pulled out all the stops on yeah. this. Yeah. And it looks like they brought back like archive footage of the original voice cast as well. Um, not for the whole thing, but for parts of it, it seems like is what I'm finding out. Wow. Here he goes from. Wait, what was the name of this? Seasons of Giving right into the Lord of the Rings trilogy as the the composer. <laughs> That's I mean, a you know, little wild. A little upgrade. <laughs> you you got baby steps. He was actually <laughs> using Seasons of Giving as a, a place to test concepts he was going to use in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. I definitely oh, didn't watch this as much as I watched the next one. I have never seen the Tigger movie. The Tigger movie from 2000. So, I actually I likewise. I don't know anything about it. Likewise, that you watched it or that you haven't seen it? No, I haven't seen it. And these, man, these basically came out back to back. I mean, uh, you've got man. one, yeah, what was it? One in November, out one out in animation. February. Wow. Cranking out animation. Perry, that's incredible. incredible. So is this, is it good? Uh, yeah, it's actually, it's pretty fun for kids. Like, I really enjoyed the story. Like, I've always, I was always uh, not as big on poo as I was on Tigger. Um, and it's all about Tigger and you know the whole the wonderful thing about Tiggers is I'm the only one but is he the only one he's starting to feel a little lonely in this movie uh and trying to find his family um you know not a unique thing of like someone trying to find their family but um and then he kind of realizes that the the gang is his family and there's a fun thing with like the super duper wait I need to look this up 
Hold on. Uh, there's like the super duper mega bounce. I need to look up what it's actually called. Oh, tigger, is it the whoop de doop whoop de dooper loop de looper alley ooper bounce? Is that yes, it? Yes, whoop de dooper loop de looper alley ooper bounce. Yes. So that was like a song, and it's like this bounce that Tigger only Tigger can do, and he can he's like trying to teach Rue how to do it because Rue like and Tigger like t- they are I don't know he takes very fondly of Rue and mm-hmm. but the whole thing is like at the end he's like in trouble and there's actually some kind of like suspenseful um peril perilous scenes at the end where tigger might look is looking like he might die but Rue oh gosh that's a good turn the, the soupy duper whoopty whooper whatever alley ooper bounce helps him and they come out of it and it's it's one of the better ones honestly of the uh, probably my favorite of the disney tune winnie the pooh mm. features i would say well, right. before 2018's Christopher Robin, this was the highest grossing film in the Pooh franchise. Really? Okay. Yeah. I think I might have wrote down 45.55 million. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Already. Well, and, and according to, yeah, according the, to what I'm reading bounce. here, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. According to what I'm reading here, again, Sherman Brothers reprised the role as the songwriters, and it was originally going to be a direct-to-video release. But then Michael Eisner um, heard these songs that the Sherman Brothers wrote and decided to release it in theaters instead. So that's wow. some fun, some fun trivia about the Tigger movie. Also, Jim Cummings was uh, this. It looks like was this the first one that he actually took over as Tigger? I think uh, the one before the Seasons of Giving, it looks like. Okay, because it says here that he officially that Paul Winchell officially retired in 1999, but Cummings had been doing Tigger in an anti-drug television special called Cartoon All Stars <laughs> to the Rescue. Wow, <laughs> that's incredible! Oh wow, <laughs> what an easy transition from anti-drug television to yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I just I I would trust Tigger. I would put down the crack pipe if ever I heard Tigger tell me to do that. Harry, Man, that's that. impressive. <laughs> that is our. New ploy to all of our friends. If they uh, ever do something they're not supposed to, we pull in Tigger. Well, Wes, this, what is next? Uh, what is next would be the sequel to the greatest thing Disney has ever made. <laughs> oh. An extremely <laughs> goofy movie. Which I always felt like uh, my only beef, I never saw this one, but I feel like my only beef was with this was, man, that escalated quickly. I mean, <laughs> you feel like it should be a goofy movie and then a very goofy movie and then an extremely, extremely goofy, goofy movie. movie. I would have taken just, a, a just, middle one. <laughs> yeah, they pulled out all the stops on this. Is this good? Um, Go ahead, Wes. You've seen a, this one. It's okay. <laughs> I don't hate it. Uh, Max goes to college. Goofy loses his job. Goofy goes to campus, basically. Um, oh it's a back to school starring rodney dangerfield situation okay one thing that i don't like is roxanne's history yeah well so i think that has more to do with the voice acting the voice actor did not return they they just wrote her out she's not in it at all i know but like i'm sad that they wrote her out because that was a big part of the plot of the first one was winning roxanne over Eh, i mean you're you're talking like five years down the road exactly how many high school relationships that i believe in high school sweethearts perry (laughs) at least in animated formats Uh um but uh, it's just, it's unfortunately not as good. Uh-huh. There is no power there's, line. There's no music at all. Yeah, that's that was a big oof because the music is one of the best parts of a Goofy mm. movie. I heard uh, on the Talking Tunes podcast, uh, it was Rob talking about the extremely Goofy movie, Rob Paulson, and 
he kind of talked about how they they tried to like you know they were totally willing to sing and Mm -hmm. do some songs for this one but they kind of wanted to crank it out and a little too fast and didn't that they just wanted to go away from the the music and they thought that was a a big mistake uh was this direct video yes yeah yeah interesting i mean it's kind of sad i'll take a third one though like i'd take a third one 20 years later yeah so you haven't seen this one alex i have not i have not um I, I again, I loved Goof Troop, and it looks like this is based off of Goof Troop, the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was just something. I mean, what year did this come out? Two thousand. Yeah, so I would have been. I was fifteen at this time, and so I was really into punk rock and skateboarding at that point. And I was nice. like, <laughs> <laughs> "Well, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad." But I'll have to check it out. I'll have the to check it about, out. Like, like they're Max is in college and he's trying to be on his own away from his dad. And, you know, they're, you know, he's that he's clearly the college age. All his friends, they're ta- They're very serious about like talking all the college girls. And uh, I mean, and there's one scene where they go to like a cafe and there's like a girl doing doing like spoken word and snapping and something that's super yeah, late 90s. And, yeah. And uh, that girl reminded me a lot of the um, I forget the girl's name from who framed Roger Rabbit, that that animated girl character. What's her name? Do you know Jessica Maybe, Rabbit? I don't know. That might have been it. Roger Rabbit's but Roger Rabbit's wife, the big sultry. Let me, let me look it up. Sultry number. For, yes, that is the one. Yeah, that is the one. OK, yes, yes. So and then she Goofy goes off to join him because he gets fired and he meets a receptionist and they end up they end up going against each other in the college X games and skateboarding and yep. stuff. And yeah, it's, it's fun, but it's not as you know what? It doesn't have the magic. You know what we need? We need a third movie and then we need it to be a either a Powerline farewell tour or a Powerline return tour. So you're just saying it has to have Powerline. It has to have Powerline. An epically goofy movie. An <laughs> epically goofy movie. Yeah. A thunderous so, here's, here's the thing that I, can, <laughs> I think the thing that weirds me out about this is I don't love when they rewrite or I should say when they write out the original arc. And with this, the whole story mm. was Max being embarrassed by his dad. And by the end, he was really proud to be with his dad. But then you come back and you're like, oh, wait, there was a giant reset. You didn't learn your lesson from that. You're not proud of being around your dad anymore again. That seems weird to me. Yeah, yeah, that's still there's still that reset. Uh, his dad embarrasses him at college and his dad wants to join the the skate team to be with him, but he pushes him away and he ends up joining the opposing skate team and with Bradley Uppercrust the third, the very typical <laughs> love frat name. boy. He's like exactly the same character from like Monsters University that you'd expect. So, oh, yeah. Roar, Omega Roar. Love it. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that wasn't amazing, but it's fun. And then this next one is kind of bleh. Yeah, Little Mermaid 2, never seen it. Return to the Sea, but I see on the cover, it's some girl, I have no idea who she is. It's literally yeah, the I, inverse I, of the Little Mermaid. What, this girl is like a human and wants to be a mermaid? Exactly. Oof, oof, <laughs> have, not Have you good. seen this, Alex? No, I'm just wondering, like, how do these movies get made? Who <laughs> says, yep, do it, do it. I feel like it's, it's a producer out there who's just so stressed with another project that they didn't realize that they signed off on something like this. They, they just gave them the free pass. Like, uh, they're like, just do it. I don't care. Get out of my hair. Yep. Yeah. 
This one's bad. My sister used to like it a lot. Um, Jody Benson's back. Samuel E. Wright's back. Like most of the voices are back, so that's all right. But like, oh, it looks like Rob Paulson is Prince Eric in this one. That's funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, the problem with it is that it's so stereotypical. She has a daughter. The daughter wants to be in the ocean, but Ariel and Eric are very, very overprotective, similar to like, like Moana. No, they don't, don't want her to go into the water because they know the... The dangers, the dangers and the sea witches, you know, the sister of uh, Ursula is the the villain and she has basically all the same powers like or the I guess she just uses Ursula's leftover magic or whatever. But nice. She's literally the same, just a skinny version of Ursula and very oh. unoriginal. They've got a song in here called Down to the Sea. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I didn't remember that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh no! Like talk about like skipping like you know cutting corners and not not writing a movie. Like they literally just said, "All right, let's take this and flip it." Whereas this was I've only thought. I'll do this on this in the seat this time. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, that's so bad. That is so bad. Well, and my question: I, Have either of you guys seen this? I, I have seen I it. Have it's not. been a while. So does does Ariel tell her daughter? Yeah, I'm from the ocean, and. Or is that just like a big secret? Uh, so she doesn't. It's a secret at first. Uh, Ariel has this, uh, gives Melody this like locket. Actually, I think Triton might, now that I think about it, Triton might give Melody, Melody Ariel's daughter, this like locket that like makes her feel connected to the sea, I guess, in some way. And um, she does not know that Ariel used to be a mermaid until like later on. I think it's when she like meets the sea witch and uh, she might tell her, I'm not sure. Um, and then the sea witch turns her into a, a mermaid, but has a limited amount of time or before it becomes permanent. And she then but then she might like drown. I don't know how that all works. But then Ariel uses like Triton turns Ariel back into a mermaid to save her. And yeah, it's bad. <laughs> I just yeah, that just seems uh, uh, I, I have no words for it. Just sounds at this point. It's it's very sloppy. Don't watch it. No. <laughs> Well, from a train wreck to a not train wreck, in my opinion, Lady in the Tramp 2 Scamp's Adventure, we had this on VHS, and I watched this movie over and over and over again when I was little. I have never seen it. I love it. Wow, we're hit, we hit a rut of movies like in a row. That a rut? Like, this that, movie no, no, is no, great. I mean that, that he hasn't seen. Oh, uh, oh like I said, I, 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 was, I had strong beginnings, but now... <laughs> This is going into a different world that I was just like never. I, I mean, as a kid, I didn't. Ha- I should say, as a teenager, I had moved on to things like. Uh, well, I mean, this was what two thousand one. Yes. So yeah, I mean, I was if I was into Disney stuff, it was probably like even Stevens at this point, which oh, was awesome. And so the the cartoons, it was just, it was a different time, fellas. Yeah, I mean Shia LaBeouf. What are you gonna do? Even see yeah. solid. But... Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great movie. I'm I'm a fan. So you really like this? Or I did. You, or... I did when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. So you may need to watch this again to confirm that it's not just. Oh no, nostalgia. Perry. Well, at or this don't. point, it will be nostalgia, and I will still like or, it. Or don't. Yeah. Or don't, and then maybe it'll be. I don't know. Let's see. What's the synopsis of this? Also, course? I love any movie with talking animals. So. Well, then this is right up your alley. Exactly. Basically, Scamp has like the normal kid attitude of, I'm done with your parents. I'm just going to run away. And then he does to go join a gang of junkyard dogs. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that'll show him. And, oh, then, like, and then he realizes, oh, wait, I do love my family. Oh, no. 
doesn't he meet like there's this girl character dog character that mm-hmm. i remember when i was a kid i thought the the scamp and angel i believe was her name were like really cute oh when you know i watched as a kid same mm-hmm. as you and but she was like the opposite of him also kind of sloppy writing, I guess she wanted, she was the junkyard dog that wanted to be in the uh, nice house. And he was the nice house dog that wanted to be in the junkyard. Yep. Oh, shocker. Shocker. Yeah. The irony. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, the, the, the synopsis ends with, will scamp choose the wild and free life of a stray or the unconditional love of his family? I wish that he chose the life of a stray just to (laughs) to show people. (laughs) I'll show you. Ah uh, yes. Yeah, Mickey Rooney's in it, which is kind of wild. He's, All right, he's sparky. Uh, I always love the voice of Mickey somewhere. Jody Benson is Lady. Mm-hmm. Wow, doesn't talk very much, but uh, Alyssa Milano is in this Alyssa as Milano. the yeah, Pomeranian Siberian Husky. Okay, it's got a pretty good lineup here. Yeah, I mean, Scott Wolf. Wow, wait, he party of five, right? Uh-huh. Scott Wolf. Yep, yeah, yep. he was he was a heartthrob back in the day. <laughs> Saved Man. by the bell. Yeah, I um, this was this was a, a different time for me, so I just never really knew any of these movies. I mean, I remember one of the things that I do remember is whenever we would go to some place that had movies for sale, whether it was Best Buy, Target, um, Walmart, wherever it was. I remember seeing these movies and be, be thinking Disney came out with another one of these. Mm-hmm. And just almost almost having some sort of like Marvel fatigue oh, like yeah. there people are experiencing now where it's just like, wait, another Marvel movie is coming out. I mean, I guess I'll see it, but <laughs> it, it's still not like that. This is exciting. And I think that that honestly is one of the things that really started to be the downfall of of Disney tune over time. Yeah, just the frequency right. of release. <laughs> That's so true, because we have. So many more movies just before like 2005. There was like eight more. And we're oh, yeah. Yeah. They definitely started pumping them out real quick without thinking about writing. Like, I mean, just think about it. The last movie we talked about was the inverse of the original where whereas the first one, Ariel wanted to be on land. And then in her in the sequel, her daughter wants to be in the ocean. And then in this one, uh, Tramp uh, or I guess Scamp. No, the, the oh. original like lady yeah, wants to be at. Well, she doesn't. No, Lady doesn't really want to be wild and free, does she? But no. she kind of. She gets. She has a little desire to, to cut loose. Yeah, but then they end up totally happy as as house dogs, and then this one, Scamp wants freedom. So it sounds like pretty much exactly the same. Uh, the same does freedom Scamp his dad had. Anything about Parvo? That's what I want to know. About if he what? knew the danger Parvo out there just lurking to to get him. Uh, <laughs> they're vaccinated. It's okay. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Good. Man. All right. Well, Perry. All right. Let's move through these next couple. We're going to hit a dry spell here because I've not seen Peter Pan 2. Okay. I've not seen any of these. Yeah. All right. We'll see if we can move through these pretty quick. The ones we at least all haven't seen then because I know we don't want to hold you up too much. Cinderella 2. So Return to Neverland. Actually, I think I have definitely seen that one. Uh, It was pretty big, wasn't it? That was pretty big. It was a theatrical release made $40 Corey Burton is in in it. Jeff Bennett is in it. Let's Music see. by They Might Be Giants, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it isn't like bad. They put a little bit of money in it. Looks like it's during the World War, World War II. Wendy's grown up. Uh, her daughter Jane basically 
in similar fashion to the previous two experiences this a similar <laughs> our main character's daughter experiences the same adventure that their parents experienced. Uh, okay. Okay, pretty yes, much. Yes. <laughs> so. Well now you said Spencer Breslin. I'm assuming that's the kid that is Abigail Breslin's brother, I believe. And he's Correct. the is he the elf in the Santa Claus? Yes, two? he is. Yeah, he's okay. a small right. role in Peter Pan too. Let me double check. Okay. What he's he's cubby. It says here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was in the kid too, which was actually a very underrated movie. Interesting. I haven't seen it. Yeah. If you haven't, it's, it's really worth watching. It's uh, actually an endearing Bruce Willis movie instead of him just yippee kaye all the way through, which I still love the yippee kaye all the way through, but it was more of a tug at your heartstrings sort of movie. <laughs> Man, all right. Then we got Cinderella Two: Dreams Come True. Yeah, trash. <laughs> There's no reason to talk about this one. Uh, I'm kind of frustrated they they would make a second Cinderella movie because oh, Cinderella. They made three, Wes. No, you're lying. <laughs> well, I heard a twist in time was edgy though. Oh, it is. This one's like edgy. <laughs> oh, very edgy. This one's more like uh, the Bell's magical whatever it was with the. This has like two stories, I think, or three stories. One is with the fairy godmother, maybe, and. Um, another one is about like the the mice. Jacques another one's about like day. teaching the stepsisters to find their own true love. I don't know. Uh, Not who, worth my time. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. Well, the next one, Hunchback of Notre Dame Two: The Secret of the Bell. The Secret of the We bell. love a mystery. I haven't story. seen it. I haven't either. But no, I'm assuming it's a mystery story. Maybe the secret of it, the bell. It sounds like it. I mean, I just here's what I just wonder is again, why does this story need to be? I th- and and th- yeah, this is where I feel like the the integrity issue is is huge. You know that they made these movies because they were selling them off of the the characters. Mm-hmm. Nobody really thought, okay, we got to put a good story together. They just thought parents will buy this because their kids saw the first one and now they want more. Mm-hmm. There's huge names in it. I mean, you've got uh, well, Jennifer Love Hewitt at that time was gigantic. Demi yeah, Moore. Kevin Klein, man, Haley Joe Osment, Michael McKean. I mean, there are so many. Like, this is these are big names in this uh-huh. direct video adaptation. Or uh, wait, oh, it's, wow. yeah, this is this is direct, I believe. But it yeah. is also the worst rated of all of these forty-seven movies. Ouch. <gasps> Which yep. means maybe it's the wor- the one that's actually truly worth watching first. Maybe true. Frank Welker, uh, he's in it. So he's everywhere on these lists. Oh, man. man, he's one of the legends of making noises. Well. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Jason Alexander's back as Hugo, yeah, a comic <laughs> All right, man. then we have another Winnie the Pooh Christmas special. If you didn't need one beforehand, uh-huh. which we already had, <laughs> this is a bad title. <laughs> a very uh, merry poo year. year. <laughs> yeah, that's horrific. Oh, gosh. Have you heard of the book? There's a cookbook, Alex, called Cooking with Pooh. No, there's not. It's a real thing. Look it up. Is it all about honey? No, I mean, it's just poo. Well, it's it might be all about honey. That's, that would make sense. I haven't looked at it, but I know it exists. That one uh, definitely did not become popular by word of mouth. You have to see the, <laughs> have to see the cover of it. People are really skeptical about what you're offering them. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What, what should we name this like Winnie the Pooh cookbook? Cooking with Pooh. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sell it. <laughs> Sell it. Got yes. it. Got it. You get, get a raise. Yeah. Intern, you're hired. <laughs> oh, uh, man. You're now, I'm now putting you in the position of paid intern. Yeah. <laughs> you realize that's just a title. You're, title. you're not actually getting paid. 
Oh, man. Oh, man. And then, to be fair, to be fair, these movies do keep a lot of voice actors fed. It's paying a lot of bills in that way. So I'm grateful that these movies exist. Um, but I've just never seen any of these. Next, we have 101 Dalmatians 2. I think I've seen this. I have not. Uh, Patches London Adventure, not to be confused with Scamp's Scamp. Adventure, <laughs> also th- in London. <laughs> I think. I think, or Paris, or whatever it is. I think I've seen this maybe one time. We might have it on VHS at my house, and that might be where I've seen it. Um, it's I not wonder. Martin, oh, does it really? Yeah. Oh, what and role does he play? Let's find out. Oh, he's Lars, a stylish but eccentric French artist who enjoys... A uh, little more than painting spots. Oh, painting spots. I thought it meant a spot where you can paint things, but apparently it's just literally painting spots. Wow. <laughs> Jody Benson. Jody's back in it as Anita. Jeff Bennett, uh-huh. Jasper. Very interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, this one I don't remember seeing. Um, you really just need to see. Maybe the, I have. You really just know. need to see 101 Dalmatians and you can stop there. Yeah. This one actually, at, at least this one came out. I mean, like the, the timeline wise, it's pretty much uh very recent after the first movie is where it kind of takes place because all the like patches in the first in the original movie so at least it's not a a silly thing like you know patch grows up and has kids like all of the other ones (laughs) yeah hard-boiled patch is is completely jaded by london society and decides to move to the country yeah that is true that at least it's it's on the main line there yeah um which a lot of people say that 101 Dalmatians was the the beginning of the Dark Ages for Disney. After that movie, everything went down until the release of uh, uh, Little Mermaid. So Little Mermaid. I'll be yeah. So it's kind of a a tie back to one of the last, which I don't agree. I love the ones in between, but mm. um, a lot of people see that as the the, the line of demarcation. We've got what two more before? Well, we got three more before, before. we let Alex go here, yeah. and uh, and we stop for part one yeah. of this look through the Disney Tune Studio. So, what do we got left, Wes? All right, well, real quick, we got Jungle Book two. I remember watching this. Don't remember what happened. I believe this was theatrical. It might have been. I might have saw it in theaters. Actually, I would have been like six. That would make sense. Yeah, forty-seven million in theaters. Wow. Distributed by Buena Vista. So yeah, it would be. Sounds a lot like uh, Little Mermaid 2. Basically, Mowgli wants to go back to where he came from. <laughs> because Little Haley Joel Osment. At least it's Mowgli, not Mowgli's kid. True. true. Yeah, <laughs> that is. John Goodman is Baloo. Hey, yeah, they had a voice cast. Love John Goodman. Love what John Goodman. What was their Goodman. budget? Let's see. I think I might 20 million. That. 20 million? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And we've got Mae Whitman. If anybody's a fan of... Uh, Arrested Development. She is Egg or mm-hmm. Anne in Arrested She's Development. Also, what else do I know Mae Whitman from? She was in something recently that I just watched. She was in a show uh, oh, called Perks of Being a Wallflower. We just watched that oh, yeah. as part of our Banter Movie Club series, mm-hmm. which I regretfully allowed Wes to input three chick flicks into. I our put two jar. chick flicks in there. <laughs> <laughs> She's really good in uh, the show Parenthood too. Okay. That's that's a wonderful okay. television series. Noted. And Phil Collins as Lucky, the dimwitted vulture who mocks Shere Khan. Oh man, and I hope he has a drum solo in there. <laughs> <laughs> Love oh, that. I I, this one actually almost seems worth looking at. I mean, it's it made a lot of money. Uh, it's got a hidden Mickey in it. Um, <laughs> 
Oh, and apparently Timon and Pumbaa can briefly be seen dancing until Baloo bounces them off with his backside. That really? Uh, I'm trying to imagine that. All right, uh, cool. Well, all right. If, if you weren't sold that. on this, I've, I've got I've got the the, the selling point. Okay, I yeah. want to be like you by Smash Mouth. <laughs> oh, I'm in. You have. I, hey, I wasn't in, but now You're I'm a rock in. Star. I want to be, I like, be you. like you. <laughs> oh wow oh yep that's All it. Right. well i mean like it looks like it kind of takes place like somewhat close somewhat to close the end to. of the first yeah. movie because you do kind of uh, they, they jungle book you lead it kind of into this this girl in the village yeah, yeah but i think if let's see she's like his sister though in this movie though I, i'm not is she i think uh, what did i, I do? don't think she is oh well all right well moving on Moving on. <laughs> big, big movie. Okay, I remember seeing commercials for this for theaters. Okay. I never saw it, though. But basically, Piglet runs away, right? Yes. Because I, he feels undervalued. I have seen this. Uh, you know, classic classic Winnie the Pooh story. One of the characters is feeling bad, and the others have to go find them and make them feel good again. Such good friendship. Yeah. Well, if they were really, truly good friends, that person would never feel bad in the first place. Ooh. I'm just, I'm just Ooh. kidding. Dropping, dropping some great wisdom. You Man, know, I turned into a, a positive sociology energy sociology yeah. <laughs> podcast real quick. Positive uh, vibes only. Alex Stewart can be paid by the hour for his psychological services. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm making a, a I'm making a, a jump here real quick. Just about psychological. No, not psychological. Don't worry about it, Perry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, Springtime with Rue, also came out in 2003. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Looks like Rue is upset when Rabbit cancels Easter and declares Spring Cleaning Day. Um, Rue, oh, that is- I, have seen I have seen that one, actually. My son watched it all the time. Yes. It's, I mean, it's nothing to write home about. I mean, uh-huh. I, I also it's it's cute. It's fun. I love the the style of it. But it wasn't one of those where I watched it and walked away thinking, man. I'm a better human being now. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't, I haven't seen this one. I don't think. Yeah. But, and then finally, right. finally, uh, last one, then I, I'm going to talk about this. One Perry, I'm just, <laughs> Perry, I'm just going to sit back and watch and let you take the reins on this one. Oof. Perry, do you like the Atlantis? Atlantis? I do like Atlantis. We had a, we had a Disney underrated episode uh, Atlantis was, I don't know. I don't remember where I ended up, but it was on my list. You somewhere in the it. middle. You I like Atlantis. I think Atlantis and treasure planet are the two movies that absolutely need live action remakes more than like the lion King. Like that was, uh, you know, uh, no, please no. Um, <laughs> but so when I watched this, I wasn't exactly expecting much. I just kind of watched it cause I hadn't. And I don't think I got all the way through. Like rarely do I ever turn off a movie in the middle. But I just remember this being so painfully bad and different that I probably turned it off like halfway through. Um, different uh, voice actor for Milo. Um, Michael J. Fox didn't return. I mean, I'm not surprised. Uh, it didn't. The first one didn't do well. Um, so you know, he probably couldn't get his money. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair though, it it made its money back. I mean, the budget on the first one is is. The estimate between ninety and one hundred and twenty, okay. and they say you got to double your double your income on that to cover everything. And they made one hundred and eighty six. So right. I mean, it wasn't a complete bomb, 
But I do remember walking out of this, um, at least the Atlantis, the Lost Empire. This was came out in 2001. So, yeah, it would have been. I watched this with my my then high school girlfriend and we walked out of that thinking, oh, this was terrible. Oh, no. But wow. again, it could be a goofy movie situation. I'm going to I will say this. I have a plan to rewatch Atlantis tonight. Oh, so, great. so yeah, yeah let me know. Thoughts. Let me know what you think. I will. I will. Because like you said, to have this as a live action remake, this would be epic. It would be amazing. And it would be something that I think I think this movie was probably ahead of its time is the way mm-hmm. that I would describe it. It was just it was too edgy and forward thinking for people to embrace it for what Absolutely. it was. Absolutely. What killed Milo's return? Honestly, the animation, it's so simple. Like really? it's just so different and bad. Like it is, yeah. it is clearly uh, a, just a rush to, to get it out. And the animation is just so simple and bad. Um, Harry, is this the one that you turned off? Yes. I turned it off halfway through. Wow. So it was bad. They, they're like, wow. I think Atlantis is like in danger of becoming, I think there's going to be like <laughs> monsters are causing destruction on the surface or something like that. I'm trying to, get the gist from reading the uh the synopsis um oh yeah that's right so so yeah there's like monsters that are going to cause destruction and they have to go to iceland arizona norway yeah those three different places to make contact with the outside world to stop the havoc wow arizona of all places what what an exotic locale just imagine kita uh going to those places yeah probably worked out sounds so lame it's so Unbelievable. Do you think that like the people that work on these movies, I mean, they should know what quality is, right? Do you think that they see the end product and they're like, oh my gosh, my name is Oh, they see they see the halfway through product and like they're they know this is gonna be horrible. My guess is that 90% of them don't see the finished product. Yeah. That would be my my thought is a lot of people are like, yep, just we we gotta move forward. We're doing something. Oh, that released. Okay, good. Glad to know it. I mean the animators are just working on their characters and their scenes, so they don't see it all put together and I don't know how much talk about like everyone involved. Yeah. Like Tad Stones producer or Victor (laughs) Cook director. I have no idea who these people are. I I don't know either. They clearly went very cheap. And if you're going to go very cheap, don't go with it at all, please. But in terms of a live action one, I could see Andrew Garfield being Milo. I could see um, I could see The Rock or Idris Elba being um, the cook. I forget his name. Sweet. Sweet Sweet. Uh, I could see like I don't know who would be Mole. Mole would be the he's a short guy who like digs. I'll do it. Okay, you can be it. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know about yeah, ones, put me but, in coach, but yeah, it could be, it could be good. Yeah, I did see uh, that. Didn't treasure planet come out around the same time as Atlantis? Yeah. One year after I, or one year before. Can I get a live action of that? And can JGL reply, reprise his role, please? Uh, yes. That's what I want. That would be great. That's yeah. That would be crazy. He could actually do, he could do it. Character. He could totally do it. Huh? Interesting. Wait, Josh, who? Send a, send an JG, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, the voice oh, I didn't of know they Jim Hawkins in treasure planet. I think that he could reprise the role very, very well. You heard it here Um, first. You know who else I think would be good for Milo is, uh, what's his name? Who's super huge? Tom Holland. I feel like he- You mean the one that's a better Spider-Man than- Better Spider-Man? He is a better Spider-Man than Andrew Garfield. It's funny. I didn't even think about both of those being Spider-Man. I just thought about them both being characters. (laughs) Why don't we just have all three Spider-Man can be No, Toby couldn't do it. Toby Toby, Toby can't act. (laughs) 
<laughs> not on my oh, watch you, list. I love angry Toby. I love moody Thank Toby. <laughs> my favorite Toby is grumpy Toby. <laughs> Man. Oh, gosh. Well, Alex, thanks for uh, doing this with us. Yes. I don't even, I don't even know what to call it. I had a blast just going through, it's, talking about some of these. Yeah, Perry's nerding out. Hardcore. I am a nerd, if you didn't know, which you do at this point. Yeah, we oh, apologize this was- to all the listeners that expected us all to know every single thing about all the movies because we don't. <laughs> well, to be to be honest, if there's any listeners out there who know and have seen every single one of these, you, they should probably reach out to you guys because that's really impressive. Yeah, if they've yeah. seen and also concerning because why are you so well versed in these movies? <laughs> absolutely, yeah. you guys should then give them a list of better movies that they should be filling their time <laughs> with. Oh, we can call like banter support group. Banter support. Group. <laughs> I love it. I love uh, it. Well, where, where can our listeners find you, Alex? Um, you can find me on, well, you can check out our show, The Backside of Water, on um, basically any one of the big podcast hosting streamers, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google, Spotify. Um, then we also, I also have another show called Did You Know Disney, which is a podcast that is Disney history and lore related but not as relegated to Disneyland as Backside of Water is. And then if you want to find us on social medias, just search Backside of Water podcast on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and you will find us on all those different spots. All right. Well, yeah, go follow him. Go listen to his podcast. It's a really fun time, especially if you are a Disney Parks fan like I am. Well, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. This was a ton of fun. I love I love walking <laughs> the weird side of Disney, the weird world of Disney Absolutely. with these types of things. So it was a blast chatting with you guys. We had a lot of fun. All right. All right, Wes, we need to pick a new Banter Movie Club movie of the week. Banter Movie Club. Banter Movie, movie Club. Club. That's our theme song. Yay. Our jingle. We, we should get paid. Up. We should get paid for that. We should absolutely get paid for that. Wes, I'm shaking this a lot I'm, in my hand right I'm, now. I have the banter movie club. I'm jar. wiggling my fingers as if they are magic. <laughs> I'm standing here trying to give Wes a movie that is not a chick flick, and his hand is in the jar. Stands one. out of the jar. He has a. He has a. <laughs> he has a paper. This is a big deal, guys. What is? Ah, uh, it's a manly movie. Okay, okay. Saving Private Ryan. Oh, boy. Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Have you not seen that? I've seen parts. Oh, okay. But I know it's really good. And it's one of my dad's favorite movies. So, I, so okay. I, I put, I'm the one so that you put, put this in, in there. So we are three for three on your movies? Wow, this looks really bad, doesn't it? <laughs> and you picked out every one? This huh? looks really bad. <laughs> Saving Private Ryan, though. I'm okay with that. Perry was watching me pick them, though. It is not fixed. Yeah, this is true. I'm okay with Saving Private Ryan. It is a classic and I have seen it. It has been a while, though. I'm ready to see some blood and gore. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. All right. Saving Private Ryan. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All righty. We'll talk about Saving Private Ryan on we will next see week's if private, episode. We'll see if Private Ryan gets saved. Maybe he will this time. Or maybe if he'll become public, Ryan. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> All right. Perry, stay hungry. Stay humble and stay stay hydrated. hydrated.